Have you ever met someone famous? Did you? No, I'm not talking about being in a stadium watching a star play in the field. I'm not talking about being in an arena watching someone play. I'm not talking about being somewhere in a concert and there's someone famous in front of you. But have you ever met someone famous? Have they ever shook your hand? Have you ever been so close to them as maybe from me to the wall? Have you ever met somebody famous? Well, I was in college. I went to school in Ann Arbor, Michigan, and I was a volunteer, and I was at Chrysler Arena, and, and my coach took me to volunteer there, and then he took, took us volunteers into a room, and there was Bobby Knight and some other Big Ten coaches. Of course, it was a few years back, and then Bobby Knight shook my hand, which is really pretty cool, and then he threw a chair at me. No, I'm just kidding, okay? <laughs> when I was in high school, my grandfather took my brother and I to this uh, arena, there's a sportsman show, and for some reason, Casey Kasem was there, and he drove by us. He's in the back of a golf cart and stopped. He had to talk to someone, and he's about as far from me as to the acolytes. And there I stood and watched Casey Kasem. Remember him? The top what? 40? And then, in my previous congregation, there, there was a young lady who was going to, was dating Joe Diffie, and she was going to marry him, and they asked if I could do it, and unfortunately, I shouldn't say unfortunately, it just didn't work out. Not saying the relationship, but the marriage came much later when I was called here. Have you ever met somebody famous? Some people after some services, oh, yes, Pastor, I did meet somebody famous. Matter of fact, I had lunch or dinner with them. I was able to sit and talk with them. Pretty cool. Now, have you ever been on TV? I see some people shaking their heads. I'm not talking about scanning the crowd or the audience and there you are. I'm not talking about like Good Morning America where they scan everybody. you ever been on TV and somebody interviewed you? Have you? Who, what, when, where, how, and why? I remember when I was a pastor in Youngstown, we did a living activity scene on a snowy Christmas Eve, and then we called the, called the affiliate of NBC to come down, and I got interviewed, just a few minutes of that. Do you know what it's like to be famous? And once in a while, someone said, once in a while, all of us here, we may be just famous for just a few minutes. Ever had that happen? Because you see, friends in Christ, there's a thing called cameos, and cameos are when Maybe somebody famous or someone who doesn't belong there shows up. Now, I gave this sermon twice, and someone left, left the previous service and said, Pastor, I think a lot of people remember Alfred Hitchcock, because Alfred Hitchcock always made an appearance in his what? His movies. So here's some rather recent movies and TV shows with the cameos that showed up. Stan Lee, Bill Murray, Bob Barker, M. Night Shyamalan. Paul McCartney, Huey Lewis. Let me go through it. Now, now, my children are big fans of the Marvel comics. I'm not so much so. But who always shows up there? Say it. And then, and then he was in Zombieland. Actually, he still lived in his Hollywood home in the movie. Anyone remember the movie? Say it. It was Zombieland. Now, I don't have it. Bob Barker is with uh, um, Happy Gilmore. But he always showed up in his movies. I like his movies. They, they, they showed up about 20 years ago, like Signs and Witness and the six, uh, Signs in the Village and the Sixth Sense. You know what I'm talking about? M. Night Shyamalan. He always showed up in his movies. And then this is probably the, the coolest of them all. I'm not sure if you ever watched Saturday Night Live, but it's been around a while. But back when actually Saturday Night Live was funny, there was a skit about Paul McCartney and the Wings. And Paul McCartney was watching it with his friends. He only lived a few blocks away from the theater. He came down and crashed. It was pretty cool. And finally, Back to the Future. Anyone remember who the principal was? Huey Lewis. Cameos, people, just like Alfred Hitchcock, people who show up, sometimes known, not known, but for a while, they take center stage even though they don't belong there. See, friends in Christ, Easter, we know Easter through headliners. 
course, Jesus, risen from the dead, he's the headliner. Christ the victim, Christ the victor. Gee, we can say, is Christ is risen? Matter of fact, he's the source of our being. He what's caused us here. Definitely the headliner. Matter of fact, every church service on Sunday because Jesus rose on Sunday and every Sunday is a mini Easter. And then there's Mary. Mary's the headliner. The other Mary's the headliner too. Remember, they're the first ones to see the resurrected Lord and came running back. There's St. Mary Church, probably 150 yards from the end of my finger. We hear about a Hail Mary. Mary, very frequent in our conversations. And Thomas is so famous, we have a word that goes along with him. What does it say? There's Doubting Thomas. He's their headliner. And who can forget Peter? There's big cities named after Peter. St. Petersburg. And there's St. Peter's churches all over the place. And we remember Peter's to some. The church is built upon Peter. For many, Easter is built upon headliners. And Mary and Peter and Thomas and Jesus. But Today, in the reading of the Gospel, there's a cameo. Now, take a look at the picture. That's a very famous picture. In many Christian churches, Lutheran churches, you'll find that picture. Now, you're going to look at that picture and say, oh yeah, that's Jesus walking with two people, and he seems to be talking to them. They're having a pretty good time. Seems to be a blessed time. But that's really Jesus with two of his cameo disciples, or the outer ring disciples, and they're way on the road to Emmaus, okay? And... They're disciples that we don't know about, but there they are. And right now they're taking the headline. And so Jesus is walking to the road to Emmaus with them. Can you read this with me? And what these two disciples are saying is that, yeah, we followed Jesus, but we heard he died and that's just about it. Uh, they had hoped for something. And sometimes you and I, we hope. We, we hope for this and we hope for that, and things just don't want to work out. And we sometimes forget that Jesus rose from the dead. We're sort of like these two disciples. Yeah, we hang out with Jesus, but we sort of heard various things about Jesus after he died, and our hope is all gone. And we, we sometimes see that when we lose a loved one, when the loved one dies. Where was God? How could God allow this person to die. How could God allow this to happen to me, especially when the person is younger for us? Or, or maybe relationships just didn't turn out and we hope for certain things. Or maybe my life is much more difficult than I thought and we hope for certain things, but this hope just didn't turn out the way we wanted to. And we sort of forgot all those things that we learned or know, or maybe it never just took heart. So those are the disciples. We hope for that, but really didn't register to us what's happening. And so now, the resurrected Christ tells the rest of the story. Uh, who was it that in those, those radio broadcasts always told the rest of the story? Anyone know his name? What is it? Who? Yeah. Okay. He always told the rest of the story. And then Jesus says this. Read it with me. So Jesus is walking with these disciples, and he sort of cloaks himself that you can't really tell if he's who that really is. And those disciples are thinking, well, maybe Jesus is dead. Maybe Jesus didn't fulfill what we thought he would. And then Jesus said this, you foolish of heart. Didn't you read the Old Testament 
and yet you claim to be the disciple. Didn't you know what I promised? And so he begins to open up Scripture to them. He brings a blessing to anchor them into his word and his promises. He grows them into something much deeper. He grows them to mature into something much more, a much more sophisticated faith. Because let's be really honest here. Most people think that the Old Testament is law and the New Testament's what? Gospel. And the Old Testament, God is old and cranky and he kicks rears and he takes names. But the New Testament, God is nice and gentle. And the Old Testament's a really mean and cranky God. And the New Testament, God is sort of nice and fluffy. But then Jesus tells those disciples, have you not studied the Old Testament? Did you not study the Word? And by the way, friends in Christ, I'm going to tell you right now. Do what you believe about the Bible comes from what somebody else tells you? Or do you read it yourself? Have you studied the Old Testament books themselves? Do you simply listen to what maybe the TV and the radio tells me about it? Do you listen to what the TV and the media tells you about it? Old Testament's law, New Testament's gospel. Old Testament, God is old and cranky. New Testament, God is nice and kind. So let me take you into the Old Testament as Jesus is explaining this to his disciples. Well, there's the foot on the snake. Where does that come from? Remember Adam and Eve and the sin? And they're ashamed because they are naked. And then God promises this. And from Eve, you will have a descendant. And from you, Satan, you'll have descendants. And you will nip at his heel, and he will crush your what? That's a promise of everlasting life. That's a promise that the devil will be defeated. There is the resurrection. And there, for the Jews on Passover, they're take a male lamb, kill it, take his blood and pay it on the what? And the angel of death will pass over, and you will be saved, because I'll save my people by the blood of my lamb. And all people be saved. And there is the hope of the resurrection. And there is King David. Do you remember the promise concerning King David? That your kingdom will last how long? Say it. Forever. Your kingdom will last forever. And finally, Isaiah chapter 53. That talks about the death of Christ in such detail. And that the grave will not hold him. And what Jesus is telling the disciples, did you not read that in the Old Testament? Didn't you hear what Moses and the prophets said? Then how could you even doubt that I'm risen from the dead? Why do you listen to these myths and stories about who saw what and angels and visions? Don't you know? And so, friends in Christ, I'm telling you, asking you right now, are you so familiar with Scripture that you don't need to rely on what the media and TV tells you? Or can you know it yourself because you familiarize yourself with Scripture so much. Can you read this verse with me? So Jesus is talking to the Pharisees, and the Pharisees say, oh, Jesus, what do you know? Then Jesus said this, you Pharisees studied the Old Testament because you think you know them, but they are the Scriptures that testify about who? I put up there a paint easel with some paint brushes and paint. And if we are going to take a look at the Old Testament and all the verses about Jesus Christ, and we begin painting a picture about the Messiah, who do we have a picture of? Say it. The Old Testament is that which speaks of Jesus. I did this once in a sermon when I was first here. In your Bible, get a red thread or a red piece of yarn and put in your Bible. Well, why do I want to do that? Not for a page marker, but to remind you that Jesus is a red thread that goes through all the Bible because all the Bible eventually is about who? Say it. 
You study the scriptures, but they are that of me. Disciples, why are you fretting? The Old Testament said that I will rise from the dead. Familiarize yourself, friends in Christ, with the Bible that you know that. And then the resurrected Christ brings us into community. Do you pray this before you eat? Can you pray it with me? Come, Lord Jesus, be our guest. And let these gifts to us be blessed. Now, I'm not going to talk about the these or the thys. Now, of course, that's a thanksgiving before we eat. Do you give thanks to God before you eat, or do you just dig in? Martin Luther once quipped that we ought not like to be hogs to the trough. You ever feed hogs and have them go at it? Rather, we are to take the time to what? Pray and give thanks to God. But notice in this prayer... We're just not praying, thanking God that we're eating, but we're asking him to be our what? Our guest. We're asking him to come and to be fellowship with us. And so Jesus speaks this to those disciples. When he was with them, he took bread, gave thanks, broke it, and began to give it to them, and their eyes were open and they saw him. Because why? Because they're in fellowship with him. And that's God's desire. That's Jesus' desire for each and every one of us here today, that we are in fellowship and communion with Jesus. That we're in fellowship and communion with Jesus and that Jesus is with us. That Jesus walks with us in the paths of our lives. And many times Jesus ushers himself into our lives without him, without us even knowing it. We learn things about Jesus, we grow in our faith and sometimes don't even recognize it's him. Why? Because Jesus desires to be in a relationship with him. Many people have said this before. Well, I'm spiritual, I'm not religious. But I believe this. Christianity isn't a religion. It's a relationship with who? Jesus Christ, the resurrected Christ who desires to come with us and walk with us on the roads of our life. And finally, friends in Christ, the resurrected Christ leads us to open our mouths and to speak with our actions. Read the next verse with me, please. Now, you just heard, no offense, Ike John speak. But do you hear what Ike John said? When he's in high school, he's going to share his faith and he's going to pray with the players on his team. He's opening up his mouth of what happened. That's what the disciples said. If we saw the resurrected Lord, he taught us the Old Testament, and we're going to open up our mouths about that. Open up our mouths to share the resurrected Lord. Now, I said this on Easter Sunday. I'll say it again. If Jesus is risen from the dead, nothing else matters. Let me say it again. If Jesus is resurrected from the dead, nothing else matters. If Jesus didn't rise from the dead, then nothing matters. We're still underneath death, the condemnation of hell and pain. If Jesus rose from the dead, nothing else what? Matters. That solves everything. Jesus didn't rise from the dead. We're still in misery and pain. Open up our mouths to the hope we have. Have you ever thought of this? You might be the only Jesus somebody knows. Yeah, I know you go to church. I'm watching what you do. You might be the only Jesus somebody knows. How you say things, what we do, how we share things, we're the only Jesus somebody knows. So friends in Christ, on the road to Emmaus, our resurrected Lord shows himself to be in union and relationship with us. And finally, you see the resurrected Christ moves, moves us from cameos to headliners is we're Jesus for others. And I think that's true for our church and school. That's our message. It's true, the Lord had risen. Last night I went to the school play. It was a lion, the witch, in the wardrobe. If you haven't seen it, it's allegory by C.S. Lewis from the Chronicles of Narnia. And in that play, Aslan, who's allegorically Christ, rises from the dead. That's true. 
that's our message. That's our hope. That's a blessing. So about this for a closing thought. Can you all read it with me? He lives a kind. And all God's people say,